Good evening and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. As always, I am Illegal86. I am joined by my fantastic and special friends, Tactic and Nerd Bomber, over there in the other end of the virtual cyberspace within which we live. We're trapped here. Uh, we never leave. This is where we this is where we reside. We just uh, wait every week and can't wait to get the episode together. We don't do anything else. We just live in the server verse, kind of like Space Jam. Yeah, I do the, fidget while I wait, though. We talk to each other for roughly an hour each week, and the rest of the time we're kind of we're in this like stasis state, kind of like the um, you know how in like the Matrix, all the humans are actually spoiler alert. They're like in these little egg sack things and just like generating energy for aliens or whatever. I don't really, I didn't pay attention to the higher concept of the matrix, but I think that's the general idea. That's what we're doing. Anytime that we're not talking about pop culture and nerd stuff, we're just kind of like generating energy for some, something or someone else with our eyes closed. So we're happy to be here. Uh, let's just start with that. And um, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, we have to talk about the field of dreams. You know, what better time than the dog days of summer to talk about baseball which incidentally i'm not sure any of us are a fan of but i like baseball like, like i don't baseball. avidly watch baseball on tv but there's something nice about going to a good old baseball game i i like it enough like i i think i'm like a lot of people where bait you know i i think i get offended unreasonably i will say offended when people refer to baseball as america's pastime because I'm an I'm American. I don't pass my time playing baseball, and I, I feel like a lot of Americans don't. I don't even know if the majority of Americans do. So that term kind of gets on my nerves. But furthermore, you know, anytime I'm watching baseball, especially I mean, namely in person, I'm doing it for the food. You know, the the best reason to go to a minor league game, a major league game, you name it, is for the hot dogs, for the Dippin' Dots in the helmet. I don't even Ooh, like yeah. Dippin' Dots. But if you put them in a helmet, forget about it. And then you put the little that, mini helmet on top of your head and you pretend that it's all proportional and then you joke and you have a good time. Right. And so does everyone around Color you. Oh, they're weird. And it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, that's what baseball is to me. But um, we're going to talk about, you know, Field of Dreams. And I don't mean the Kevin Costner movie, which came out, I don't know, a long time ago, which I also have not seen. Have you guys seen Field of Dreams? You haven't seen Field of Dreams? I haven't seen Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. That's all you I know. know? That. Oh my gosh. I, I, it was my I, high I school I, English teacher's go-to I don't feel like teaching movie. Watched him so many times. I have the gist of what's going on, but I don't have the particulars. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. There's news there. We won't dive into it now. We're going to be talking about uh, the Xbox Indie Showcase as well. Um, kind of delving into a couple of games. There's a couple of games I really want to talk about from that showcase that I'm really excited for. Even as someone who's not an Xbox owner, you guys are probably super excited about it. So we'll get to that. And then we're going to talk about a long defunct social media, kind of a, a relic from the past, from our college days, uh, when, when the three of us were in college. And uh, something that was big on college campuses that is now coming back. So that's a bit of a teaser for you. Start thinking, start working through in your head what we could possibly be talking about because we will be talking about it. But before we dive into the news, you know, Technic Nerd Bomber, we'll, we'll hear more in, in more detail from you later. But how you doing today? You know, I, I, I usually start with a how you doing. This is no different. We're in the middle of August, the hottest time of year, theoretically. How are you handling the heat? Are you staying out of the kitchen? You know, I'm staying in the central air right now, mostly because we've been in like, we're in the Northeast and, you know, it's been rainy season up in the Northeast United States 
at least the last few days by us. So we have been kind of hunkered down for the last, I'd say like a week, playing a lot of video games, getting some good game time in, in that central air, staying out of the heat. Well, I've been in the kitchen too, but it's pickling time, folks. Don't right. forget to pickle your cucumbers. Ooh. Nerd Bomber has you has you slaving away in the kitchen. She's playing a video game and you say, can I play? And she says, no, get back to pickle. Well, actually, my, my favorite thing is, is, is peppers. I have all sorts of peppers and I love taking all the varieties and pickling them in the same jar because you get this blend of awesome flavor. And so I'm enjoying it. Pickling, pickling is, I, I'm a pickling novice. I've never pickled a single thing. And I'm not afraid to do that. Vin, if it's vinegar, right? You put stuff in vinegar. Is that the basic vinegar, idea? water, or salt, it... sugar? Yeah, that's a bit. That's it. Okay, but it like it. It doesn't ferment, but it like does it intensify the flavors? Is that the idea, or does it just preserve? It, it's mainly a preserve type exercise, okay. but like, I mean, you gotta love the 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 vinegar flavor that combines with the cucumber to make it a pickle. It's just such a good flavor. Right. Peter Piper picked a pack. Don't ask me how of, much a pack is. Not sure. Of of pickled peppers. Yeah, I was going to ask you how much a pack was. I guess to the listeners, I will say uh, Google that on your own time because none of, none of us know. But some, I guess food for thought. So we, we can dive into um, Field of Dreams because I, you know, this is a classic movie, baseball-centric movie. That may be why, you know, I think when I was younger, I had the capacity for one baseball movie in my life. A League of and Their that Own? Was Angels in the Outfield. Oh, that's a good one, too. Um, yeah, League of Their Own, I have actually also never seen, which is... What? Uh, yeah, again, probably a crime. Uh, Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, it's supposed to be incredible. Okay, before um, we get into like the heart of football season, I'm going to need you to sit down and do some theater homework. Day. Yeah, and just watch yeah. a baseball movie you know, every weekend from here until the start of the real NFL season, because I know like that's when you get wrapped up in football. And just oh, yeah. just watch these classic movies. They're so good. You're missing out. Sandlot? Did you see Sandlot ever? Oh yeah, I did. See, I did see Sandlot. Yeah, okay, okay, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, I did see Sandlot. Everyone has to watch Sandlot at some point. They peel your eyes back like Clockwork Orange and make you watch that if you haven't. So I, I have seen that. I and I I shouldn't say I, I liked Sandlot a lot. Um, I watched a deep cut baseball movie for a second. When I was younger, for some reason, it's one of those things I'll never really forget it, and I don't know why because it wasn't that good of a movie, but there was this movie, I believe it was called The Rookie, where Dennis Quaid, I saw this movie at a drive-in oh, movie theater. Oh, that's, that's right. That's the reason I remember. Is that He's the one like where an, he like busts the the light in the field or something like that? I don't remember the specifics, but I remember, I, I basically Dennis Quaid is like an older guy who's like kind of a journeyman pitching in the minor leagues. And then at some point he just like suddenly can pitch real fast and like goes to the majors. And it's like one of those like inspirational, like I think it was a Disney movie. And I remember that being like a baseball movie that I liked. Um, no, I'm sorry. I the natural Mon- was the one where he busted the light. Not I liked Moneyball. Moneyball. But like Moneyball. Moneyball was also like, it was, I don't even know if it was a, ba- it is a baseball movie, but like it ain't about the baseball. See, this goes to show that they should really pump out more baseball media, don't you guys think? I would, yeah. Like I, well, I think there's a there's room for like because I watch Friday Night Lights, which is a football show, and granted, I like football, but like there's a place for a baseball show, I think. 
Well, I yeah, think, wouldn't that be cool if they did something like that? What is your ideal <laughs> right. scenario for this show? Because right now it's, what is it, produced, directed by Mike Schur. And he did Parks and Rec. He did The Good Place. I think he had part of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something like that. You know, yeah, he does a lot of these like feel-good shows. And I think that especially in like the wake of Ted Lasso and everybody loving how feel good of a show that is. I feel like you could do that with baseball, slap it on Peacock and everyone will have a good time. So I was about to mention Ted Lasso because that's something that is an ongoing phenomenon and kind of new love for me. We're on the same wavelength. Like, like, yeah, I, I love soccer. I played soccer when I was younger. So like, again, I, I think I have more of an affinity for soccer or football. If you're from across the pond than I do for baseball, but Ted Lasso, it ain't about, the football it ain't about the soccer friday night lights in large regard is not about the, f- the football um i would imagine field of dreams is not going to be about the baseball and I, I don't i don't know to what extent the, the movie was i think it was quite a bit but I, it's already in it's already so well positioned because mike sure is to me the single best mind on television parks and recreation the good place brooklyn 99 no one's doing it like he does. No one hits as often as he does. And for those who don't know, Mike Schur, if I remember correctly, he played Moe's on The Office. He was also he was also a, a junior writer on The Office. That's, I think, like, where he got his start working under Greg Daniels. The man is a genius uh, in terms of comedy, which is kind of an interesting direction to take Field of Dreams because I don't see Field of Dreams as a funny thing. I don't know if it... Again, I don't know if it was, but... It was more... Like it's it was, feel, yeah, it's heartfelt, and I feel like he can leverage because the good place we've all seen the good place here, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't finish it, but I got, a, I got far enough along, I think, to not be spoiled. Okay, so the good place, I feel like it's not funny per se, and in fact, in some places, it gets really thoughtful and introspective, like, philosophical. Yeah, like, philosophical, and I feel like if he can channel that sort of mood to something like Field of Dreams. And, you know, bring a little bit of that heartfelt levity here and there, but not necessarily make it a comedy. I feel like that's a recipe for success because I would argue like, yes, Ted Lasso even it it's it's listed as a comedy, but I would say that it's way more than that. Like it's a character driven story. And one of the characters tends to be a lot of the characters tend to be a little funny. But like for the most part, it's it's just watching people go through life. You know what I mean? And I think that would work really well. Like, I don't think it has to be ha ha funny all the time, but I think... Were you were you the person who told me to watch Ted Lasso or did you recently watch it? Because I wasn't sure I told. I think I told you, I, I'm a big Ted Lasso truther. We watched the first season last year when it came out. And I think right off the bat, I was like, you need to watch this. It's so good. Like, this is Ted Lasso, the yeah. TV show you need right now. And now that season two is yep. out, obviously, like, we're watching it in lockstep, kind of. Yeah, we had Christmas episode last week, which is kind of goofy because it's August, obviously. But uh, Ted Lasso, like, and that's this is a sidebar, but like, there is no one doing it like Ted Lasso. Like, like it is so focused. Like you said, like it, it is theoretically a comedy, but it is so much more focused on making you feel good, being wholesome. Everything's above board. There's not a whole lot of like raunchy jokes, and even if there are. They're in very good taste. It's and it's like it's so much like I, I think I haven't watched Shit's Creek. You guys have, I think. 
What? Oh my. Um, okay. We're going to have like the education much... of illegal and you're going to sit down. We're going to tape you to a chair. You're just going to watch a bunch of movies and TV shows. But is it is it not very much like I think Shit's Creek was like that in that it was just so focused on being really wholesome all the time. Like the the comedy came with that. Don't get me wrong. It was funny and Ted Lasso was funny. But it's it seems like its main goal is like we're going to build characters that you're going to care about and they're going to care about each other and there's going to be just like this warm blanket of caring that like hugs you and makes you feel mm. just really good and that's like i think the thesis of that show and it would be a great thesis for a show like field of dreams yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he used ted lasso as inspiration for the tone in this show yeah i mean i mean sports you know sports are such an interesting vehicle for for a television show whether it be a comedy or whether it be a drama like friday night lights which is another show that i mentioned before and i want to mention again is sports are so structured around you have a team of people and therefore you have an ensemble cast and those people are bound to interact in a professional setting in a personal setting tv shows you know when you say when you say the premise of a tv show nine times out of ten it's there are people who are doing blank or are in blank. There are people who, you know, are in a parks and recreation department. There are people who are on a soccer team. There are people who, you know, are in the West wing of, of the white house. Like it's based on location, right? Whereas movies are based on specific things happening, not necessarily in one location, but I think sports are so well poised for that sort of environment where you can continually build stories around an ensemble of characters who are all on a team. Now, with that said, and maybe this is a, a spoiler and I'm again displaying my ineptitude with regards to the movie field of dreams. Aren't they all dead? Isn't that the idea? They're ghosts, baseball players. Right. Or yeah. Dry. Yeah. So that's interesting in and of itself. Well, I feel um, like that's where we could get like the philosophical elements that we saw in the good place. You know what I mean? Right. For sure. And it's, it, there's some sort of otherworldly, not, I don't want to say supernatural cause it's not going to be a scary show or anything like that. But, I mean, I'm I'm trying to reach for it. There, I'm sure, has been a show that is focused around living people talking to dead people, and like, there's comedy to be had in that. There is there are life lessons to be had in that, without a doubt. So, you know, to me, this is pun very much intended a home run of an idea. But um, um, the other person who's involved, who I want to mention, you know, of course, um, Lawrence Gordon, who was originally a producer on the field of dreams movie, but also um, another executive producer, David Miner worked on Brooklyn nine, nine with Mike Shore, which Brooklyn nine, nine is coming back soon. That's also an incredible show. Um, but he also You've at worked least on watched Mas- that, right? Oh yeah. I watched okay. that all the way through when it comes out, I'm going to binge watch or not binge watch. I'm going to watch that as it comes out. Like you said, lockstep like Ted Lasso, but David Miner also worked on master of none, which I think gives another kind of uh dimension to this because master of none slides into that same area but in a different way of master of none is in theory in theory a comedy uh you know it's headlined by aziz anzari have you guys watched master of none you know that was one where we tried but then you know i got through like half the first episode and i couldn't get into it yeah master of none and i don't blame you for that at all because master of none it starts in a way that is just it's simply not emblematic of the rest of the show and it's it starts in a way especially that it's not emblematic of season two of the show which is a masterpiece uh, master of none starts with aziz ansari having sex with a woman and the condom breaks and like 
they find the comedy in that. And that's like not the sh- master of none is like pretty heavy a lot of the time. Like it's one of those like dramedies where there is humor to be had, but it's so much more focused on humanity, which again, I think is where someone like that coming in and working on field of dreams gives you an idea of what the show is going to be. And I think it's going to be something great. Um, I don't know. Do we know what network this is attached to? Presumably NBC. I think Mike Schur is an NBC dude. All the shows that... This is on Peacock. So this is going to go straight to streaming. Okay. And that's another yeah. element here. Would this make you subscribe to Peacock? Would the expanding library on Peacock, as it stands now, convince you to sign up for it? Because I know none of us currently are subscribed to Peacock. Incorrect. I have. You're subscribed to Peacock? <laughs> oh, yeah. Since I've when? had it for a while. I got it in February. I, sh- I feel like I mentioned this on the show, but maybe not. Uh, I got it in February because, I, and it's a stupid reason. I'll acknowledge that right up front. I had a hankering, a real craving to watch all of the Harry Potter movies. And for whatever reason, Peacock is the streaming service that got those. And that combined with the idea, oh, I'll get Parks and Rec back. I'll get The Office back. I'll get shows that I lost back was enough for me to sign up. Have I used it lately? nope um but like but this is one reason for me to for sure um mike sure is like i said i think he's the best in the business so anything his name is attached to i'm interested in at least trying it out yeah and, i couldn't agree more know. with that statement yeah i mean he he's everything he's done i have to some extent liked and to more extent respected even if i even if it's not for me i get what he's doing and I'm sure he's not getting into this without an idea of what it's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm curious about leading man. Like it, you know, if it if it comes into if it comes to fruition as a similar idea to the movie, where I, my understanding again is that Kevin Costner was he like buy a farm and the farmland is where the ghosts play. Is that, I don't know if that's what happens, but he's the intermediary, right? Mm-hmm. He's the one who interacts with all of them. That's a critical role, obviously, and it has to be played by someone who not only has comic chops, but can play the drama. And I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know if you, either of you have any ideas. I don't want to put you on the spot, but that's equally that's critical so to tough. this. And that's, that's not yet known. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's super tough. It's you know who very... I would love to see? And Good. tell me, this might be a little out of left field, pun intended. What about like JK Simmons. No, that is out of left field. He's, 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 he's a little old. And too grouchy. I don't know. He's great. I've loved J.K. Simmons. I got one for you guys that would be would surprise you. Tom Hanks. Also old. Yeah. Um, I think it has to be an old farmer. If Kevin Kevin Costner is not old though, in the movie. I don't think. Yeah, I I think he was like young dad age kind of deal, right? I'm trying to remember. I I haven't. You've never seen it, but like I, I saw the movie so long ago. I think I need to revisit it now. I immediately thought frequent. Mike Schur collaborator, Adam Scott. Put him in there. Oh, Paul Rudd. No, Paul Rudd. It's Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd would be we, perfect, honestly. We figured it out. It's Paul Rudd. Uh, okay, Paul, you heard it. <laughs> you heard it here first. We have nominated call your, call you your agent. to star in Field of Dreams. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things when you hear it, you know. It's got to be right. So, Paul, uh, you know, you know what you have to do. Do you mind if I call you Paul? Or would you prefer Mr. Rudd? Doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. That all right. Um 
pretty good. Uh, so yeah, this there's no release date tied to this. This is in very, very early stages, but if Mike sure builds it, they will come. That's the theory here. So be on the lookout for Field of Dreams coming to Peacock from the creators of Parks and Recreation and The Good Place. So we're going to move now into our next topic. I'm going to save the showcase for after the break because that's going to be pretty pretty intense as topics go, I think. But I want to talk about Yik Yak. Uh, that is, of course, if those who have not yet figured out, that's the social media I was referring to before. Now, I want to preface this. When it was a big deal, which was back in 2013, 2014, basically back when it first came out, it was a big deal for a short amount of time. And to the extent that I remember it, I didn't have it. I don't know if if either of you did. It was I big on our campus. Had it. I definitely it was big on our campus. I know that for sure. We went to college together, for those who don't know. And I remember hearing about it because at the time we were in college and it was it was like a thing. And I remember thinking, even though I didn't get it, I remember thinking, what a great idea. It, so so, so that, the idea of Yik Yak, as far as I understand it, again, I didn't have it. So correct me if I'm wrong, is it is a social media, I think like like, like Twitter or uh, there's maybe more interaction than, than Twitter, but it's geographically, um, you write short text posts and you can comment on other people's posts and they're only able to be viewed from within a five mile radius. So for a place like a college campus where there's a lot going on, there's a lot of young people, it was uh, lightning in a bottle. It was localized Reddit and it kind of took off from what I remember. Yeah, if I, I remember, it, it had like point. the upvote, downvote option, just like Reddit. So it was kind of like a combination of Twitter and Reddit and also offered some anonymity because you, you didn't obviously know who, yeah, you didn't know who was yeah. posting what. You want to know what I used it for? Hey guys, free t-shirts here. Right. Well, you know, but it, it, it was, it was not only like a call to action for, in a lot of ways. It was of course a vehicle for comedy. It was okay. You know, something's happening in this part of campus today. They're doing construction on this road again. And I don't know, some funny comment would be made and it would be funny. Like it was, it was both a networking way for students to find free food or free t-shirts, you know, that shouldn't be undervalued. But it was also, it was funny. Um, of course, you know, what wound up happening with it was it became a vehicle for bullying, which is what sent it the way of the dodo, um, I think, in, in large part. That is one of those things that I'm really curious about, how they're going to handle it. Because I know when the announcement was made that this app was coming back, because it's been defunct now for four years, and I believe a new management group, like people bought it, they took it over. It's a completely new group of people running the app. And one of the things that they made sure that they announced in their press release was that, you know, any kind of harassment, bullying, etc., like violence, threats, all of that bad stuff won't be tolerated. But I wonder, like, how are they going to enforce that? Because right. it's, if I remember, it's hard to do. yeah, when back in the day when this was like a, a huge thing, and I feel like that makes me sound super old, but I swear we're not that old. Um, I just remember that there were a lot of yik yaks like yeah obviously a lot of them rose to the top of the pile because of the upvote downvote system but at the end of the day there were like almost infinite yik yaks people were yik yakking all day so how do you who is monitoring in all of the the different areas like how do you moderate that that's what i'm curious about i'm sure it's going to have a an interface where you can easily report those kind of things it's you know i i think I would imagine, again, I didn't have it, but what I would imagine may have 
led to the problem in the first place is when you're online, when you're on, when you're on Facebook or Twitter, you know, I think even to a large extent, if you make a fake profile or if you have a Twitter that's just called like D's nuts or something, and it's not actually your picture or anything, you're, you're still at least implicitly signing some kind of social contract where the things that you say, either just to the wind or to others, have potential to come back to you, right? On Yik Yak, a, a, a platform which is designed for anonymity in a, in a space too where I think a lot of younger people don't know the power their words can have and and how easily it can be traced back to you it was you know the formula was such that the result of the equation was we're going to see a lot of bullying um because of the anonymity people didn't feel like they were um you know responsible for what they said they were hiding behind a keyboard in every possible way um now you know they can't take the anonymity away because that's the idea behind the entire app and i'm not saying they should but I agree with Tactic. I think there's going to be a reporting function that, you know, is going to be somehow uh, tied back to you, maybe in a more concrete way, maybe in such a way that if you get reported, you get banned for a certain amount of time or you get flagged and other people can see the flag. So, some, something like that, something that is semi-permanent, um, maybe the way they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it, but, you know, I think it has a lot of potential, you know. If only because Yik Yak got to the got to the TikTok style of naming an app before TikTok did. I mean, let's not gloss over that. It's great to say. Here's the thing that I'm most excited about. We as millennials were first introduced to this app. And as such, we've been exposed to it. Now we're all enjoying ourselves in corporate America. And guess what, folks? Donuts in the break room. That is all I will be posting. Donuts in the break room. <laughs> every, every yik yak at your company is going to be donuts in the break room. And then two weeks later, donuts in the break room. And just repeat, <laughs> just repeated donuts in the break room. And uh, that'll be great. And that's, that's exactly what I want to use it for. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's, I, I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, it makes perfect sense that it's coming back. Um, it's a shame why it left. And presumably if it's coming back, they have a plan. Do I do we know what the plan is to combat the bullying? No. But there is also something to be said for I would I would say since 2013, 2014, and you guys can weigh in on this too, you know, there is an increased cultural awareness of bullying. And, you know, I think the stigma of cyberbullying has been appropriately the bar there has been raised. So they're going to take it seriously and they should. And the people who are on Yik Yak are going to take it more seriously maybe than, you know, the app's users did in 2013, 2014. And that may be a big part of it too. So I do have a lot of hope for this. Um, you know, I, I guess something we should also talk about is we've said this a lot in the context of college campuses, but there are cities that are, have a five mile radius. Then it becomes this urban thing that, I can, I just think it, it it has a lot of staying power as an idea. So where do you guys see this going? I guess it's a very broad question, but you know, I is it a good idea? Will it stay? It'll be a good idea on college campuses. I think it might be a hard sell in big cities. And the, the problem with big cities is that, you know, limited to a five mile radius, wherever the radius is, you're not reaching that many people. You may not 
care what the people in your five mile radius are saying. You know what I mean? Right. It, the the big draw with Yik Yak, at least in our college days, was the fact that like everybody kind of had the shared experience. You know, everybody on campus. Yeah, maybe you were in different majors, totally different walks of life, whatever. But if there was somebody dressed in a banana suit in you know, the parking lot or whatever, the main parking lot, everybody could right. laugh at, hey, look at the guy in the banana suit in the main parking lot. And that Which might you're not talking be about applicable. Tactic. Yeah, I remember. When he, I, remember <laughs> I remember when he did that yeah. multiple times every Saturday. He, he was just it. out there with a megaphone dancing right way. You know, um, do you remember what was it? The peanut butter jelly time song. That was just him out there dancing. Right. I don't know why. Um but like it'll be interesting to see if it flourishes outside of like the campus or school area, because then if you want to reach people, you might as well just make an anonymous Twitter. You know what I mean? Right. But but, there, but there's a layer of exclusivity that's laid over Twitter, right? And that's how you get here. Like, peep and people aren't going to move. But like, some people might be like, "Oh man, if you're going to Austin next weekend, you got to get on Yik Yak, man." But the Yik Yakking in Austin, Texas, is like off out the hizzy out of control awesome and like i think that's cool i think it's cool that there there are geographically centralized not centralized geographically um kind of shuttered little little social media zones that you can go into and get a a new flavor for a town get a flavor for a town or a city through yik yak and maybe that's giving the medium too much credit but i think it's a really cool idea um i think high schools are going to have a heck of a time like can you imagine like being a teacher in a high school and like, you know, maybe you like miss a spot shaving that day <laughs> and the yik yaks are going to be going. Actually, yik yakers are going to be yikking and yakking. Keep in mind, again, us millennials are now in the workforce. So it's true. Us on yik yak are most likely the teachers as well. And so sure, if you're going to see there's going to be a fight in the courtyard, those fights are going to get shut down right quick. Because right. so, they're going to be on the on the apps. Do people still have fights in the courtyard? No, it's it's usually by the buses. That was... I never. I went to high school for. I went to high school for four years. I didn't. I didn't get held back or anything. I also wasn't like super smart enough to like go for three years. Never saw a fight. That's a media affectation. We danced you a guys lot ever more see... than we fought. Right? Did you guys ever see a fight in high school? Because I never did. Yeah, I actually. I did. I did see a fight in high school. You were in the fights. No. You were picking the fights. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine me in a fight? I would just like cower. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. There's a secret st- segment to be had there. Right. How many fights did you have in high school? And if so, if you had any, did you win? That's How many fights did you did you imagine yourself having when you were laying in bed at night like thinking about someone you you hated? Cuz for me, it's a much larger number than zero, which is the real number. Of Did you have a nemesis? It was high school. Everyone had nemesis. nemesis. I didn't have a nemesis. Did I miss oh, out on like a, a get like the classic high school experience? Did I miss something here? Well, so so what happens is you didn't have a nemesis, which means other you were other people's nemesis. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, people didn't like you. Oh, pe- pe- people were. I don't want to. I don't want to go that harsh, Jesus. But like people. People probably were like, gosh, everyone's her friend. I hate her. That's like, and now we're getting off track. But uh, well, yeah, secret segment that. They hate us because they ain't us. 
Yeah, the, you the would have been fought on TikTok. Yik yak. The, oh, for sure. The high school experience. Bleak. Did you witness fights? Did you have fights? What's the most dramatic thing that happened to you in high school? We all went to different high schools. So there's probably some some meat on those bones. And we'll, we'll get into that at a later date. But yik yak. Um, you know, we want to hear from you on the Twitter sphere. Not on yik yak. We're not on yik yak, guys. It's not even out yet, I don't think. Do you think yik yak coming back is a good idea? Will you get yik yak? Um, with <laughs> we have a bonus ideas thread that we put when we think about secret segment ideas on the show we put them in a bonus ideas thread and nerd bomber just typed into it high school were you cool <laughs> <laughs> so be on the be on the lookout for that secret segment follow us on patreon if you want to hear about that but um in the meantime let us know if you are interested in yik yak if you think it's a good idea it's being brought back what you think they're going to do about bullying on it uh do you think it has staying power Hit us up at OW Illegal 86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber in our main show account at Online Warriors 1. Uh, so that brings us to the midpoint of the show, which means we're going to take a short break here to shout out a sponsor and come back to talk about the Xbox Live Showcase, uh, Xbox Live Showcase, Xbox Indie Showcase. Um, but before we do that, before we go to the break, I would be remiss if I did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producers, Mr. Ben Checkness, Mr. Stephen Keller. Take a bow once again. Uh, we thank you so much for continuing to support the show. Help us keep the lights on, keep the mics running. Um, Stephen, I believe, will be joining us very, very soon on the podcast. So be on the lookout for that. He's guest with, guested with us before. He will be soon again. Uh, and Ben is also on deck pretty soon. So that's one of the many benefits they receive from being one of our Patreon supporters at the night level, which is the highest of the three levels of support that we have. They get that occasional guest segment. They get input into the weekly game segment on the show, which will be coming later. I'll be hosting this week. They get this producer shout out. And they also, of course, get access to the monthly secret segment and vlog on the show. Um, of course, uh, there's also a Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and the lowly page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for more of the details on all of those levels and how to give back to the show, help us keep this thing running. If you're enjoying it, head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the deets. Thanks again to Ben and Steven. We're going to take a short break now to shout out a sponsor and we'll be back to talk about the Xbox Indie Showcase. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. And with over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. So I have the menu in front of me here for this week coming up, uh, August 21st, 27th. And I'm taking a look here at these beef enchiladas verdes. You know I'm about that Mexican food. You know I'm about that spiciness. Uh, and I'm also about easy cleanup and easy prep. This is a 30-minute meal from box to table. That is a very attractive prospect for anyone, let alone me, who you know barely has time to heat up a Hot Pocket. So this is very exciting for me to see this and many other recipes on the site. And uh, HelloFresh has no shortage of culinary options. 
Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Thanks again to HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode. And now let's get back to it. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris and Madam Amy, and we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel, minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Okay, the X, and I want to make sure I get the name of it right because I've stumbled many times. Uh, ID at Xbox, there it is. Indie game event uh, for all the Xbox indie game content. There were a number of games run through here, and I don't know how you guys were thinking we should we should go through this. I have a couple games in particular that I want to highlight, uh, but I'm going to defer. You know um, how this event went. You know, you guys are the Xbox owners here. I'm kind of an outsider looking in. What about this? really excited to you what particular games did um and what are you looking to buy these are indie games you know theoretically the the barrier to entry is a little bit lower at least in terms of of cost so there's a lot of exciting things to be discussed here nerd bomber what did you see that what did your appetite for all things indie games i mean there were a lot of cool games shown here uh, one of the ones that i was super excited for obviously sam and max save the world remastered uh, they showed a trailer for that. It, you know, it's available now. That was a game that I remember really enjoying back in, like, I think it came out when I was in high school, maybe. And I really had a blast with it. It's always super witty. Really enjoy the Sam and Max series. So, you know, just getting another look at that was a lot of fun. Also, Ali Ali World was really, really cool looking to me. You know, I'm always drawn to skateboarding games. When I was a kid, I used to like imagine myself as a, a super rad skateboarder, even though I'm not good at it and can't really skateboard. And, you know, this game just looks super colorful, super fun. The original Ali Ali games were a lot of fun. And this looks like it's, you know, taking that next step forward, especially with that, you know, 120 FPS and the 4K, you know, running on the brand new systems. I feel like that's just going to be a lot of fun. And then yeah. the big one for me, and I'm sure you guys knew this was my big one. Paparazzi looks like yeah. heckin' Pokemon Snap, but with puppies. And I saw this coming a mile away. As I am, uh, I'm here for yeah. it, man. I literally like. I turned to Tactic and I'm like, I like we're buying this. I don't even care. Like I'm going to sink so much time playing with puppies even though i have like my dog is probably going to be sitting on my lap watching me take pictures of virtual puppies like you could just take real pictures of me and you know what it doesn't matter this looks heckin adorable i'm here for it give me the doge i feel like all of that made me super dated because i think millennials now we've been talking a lot about like retro millennial how we're, stuff how yeah. we're millennials yeah we are so i'm going to continue that trend in this episode and apparently stuff like doge and heckin is no longer hip but yeah. heckin doges love them i mean all all the zennials listening to this are still frantically googling what yik yak even is so you know <laughs> you can talk about doge you can talk about heckin it's it's just fine 
Um, uh, yeah, I, so Paparazzi, you know, it strikes me as a game that maybe started with the name. Like, oh man, what if we call the game Paparazzi? Paparazzi. Right. Uh, but that's okay. I, got, I think it's a great idea. Um, I was Could really you imagine into that one. If they were all just like, you know, super drunk or something, listening to Lady Gaga, that was Lady Gaga song, correct? Oh, yeah. Big and just being like, you know what? This kind of sounds like paparazzi. Guys, let's make a video game. Right. I mean, that's they where all the greatest ideas start. For sure. Uh, what, you mean like drunk listening to Lady Gaga? Yeah. Yeah. That's how all my best ideas come about. Um, that's how I came up with my poker face. Uh, but I want to go back to Ali Ali World, too, because that was one of the ones I had written down uh, for, for a couple of reasons. You know, a lot of them you said, you know, it looks super super fun i've played one of the better games like it's so dumb but like the mini there's a mini game in warioware the original warioware that was skateboard based and it was really it's a side it was a side scrolling kind of jump to avoid things crouch to avoid things but holy crap i sank hours into that and this is just a better version of that and also can we take a second is that not ash ketchum on the skateboard because when i first saw him i was like Oh my god! They put Ash Ketchum on a skateboard, and like maybe I don't know what Ash Ketchum really looks like. But I saw there's like this red and white hat that's turned backwards that I was like, "That's freaking Ash Ketchum." No, it's gotta be sideways. Well, what, I, fair enough, I suppose. But that was one of the first things I thought of. Ali Ali World looked really really cool. Um, I I want to shout out to uh, that I was really into uh, the first, which you know may not come as a surprise to either of you. Again, look, we know each other. You know, we know what we, we all like. I was really into Lab Rat. Um, yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Lab Rat, I think, is my single favorite one that we saw. Um, it's very simple. It's very puzzle-based. Um, but it looks kooky and weird and fun. And, uh, like, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it has very, very simple puzzle mechanics it had that hardcore you could sing hours into. Portal vibes. Yeah. And Which, look how popular that game was. If you guys know me, I love puzzles, and I also love chilling out. That game was all of those things. And you can even, it, it appeared that there was a play with friends option. So I yeah. got my couch option too, my couch co-op. I am I am sold on that game. There's definitely two, and it's similar to Portal too. There's like this, this very unique kind of gallows humor that complements a game like that so well. And uh, it looks like they're going to implement that same sort of thing with Lab Rat. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to shout out Lab Rat. The other game is... A, I was actually surprised to see it here because it I don't consider it... Uh, no. it was. I'm surprised this is an indie game um, because this game is actually a game that I haven't played much of. I have played some of it. I played a lot of it that I have played on the PC back in... Oh, gosh. I don't even know when the first one came out. It would have been in the aughts sometime. Again, we're millennials. Uh, Evil Genius 2 World Domination. So Evil Genius uh, is not the kind of game that I would typically play. Uh, it's very strategy oriented. You build a base, you lure good guys into it, and you're a bad guy and you want to kill them, basically. It's, it's more involved than that. You picture yourself as Dr. Evil in an Austin Powers movie. You're trying to prepare Preparation H, which is one of the jokes from Goldmember. You know, that, that sort of thing. You have an evil plan that you need to execute. And that's, it's it's like a roller coaster tycoon version of that, basically. The, the overall vibe and ambiance 
of Evil Genius 2 World Domination, or I guess the Evil Genius franchise at large, is incredible. It has a really good soundtrack. It has this, I think it's like kind of a James Bond driven, almost like in the 50s, vaguely retro, like Austin Powers was too, um, that I really respond to. So that was another one that, you know, I know my brother's super into that game. Um, that's definitely one that I could certainly see myself sinking so much time into. Um, and also, Tactic, for what it's worth, it's a game that I think you would get a lot out of. Um, and I don't know if that was one that you had noticed uh, watching the showcase, but it's very much create a base, lay traps in certain places to catch certain people, uh, design and customize the henchmen that you have to it's it's very it's it's a little tinkery you have to create a plan and then execute it in a certain way um and it's very very satisfying for so many reasons that's another one that i wanted to shout out that's a game that the first one came out again in the early odd and then that franchise went into hibernation and evil genius 2 came out either early this year or late last year for pc again and now i believe it looks like they're porting it to xbox which you know I was I was definitely interested in that one. I got hardcore uh, fortress vibes from that one. It's, well, so fortress is more is more traditional shooter. It's more combat based. This is much more. It's not real time strategy, but it's like roller coaster tycoon. That's the best way I could use to describe it. It's like a roller coaster tycoon version of you're building a castle or an underground layer, more predominantly. I think that you have to manage. See, I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna say my top three. My top three were obviously yeah. Lab Rat, Lightyear Frontier. That one was just again, I'm I'm really digging the chill vibe and the co-op vibes. So just find you guys are gonna find me on my couch in the fall, chilling, hanging out, maybe some music, maybe some lo-fi in the background. I'm gonna be farming on my little planets yeah that one because i know how much you love animal crossing and games like that i mean this isn't necessarily animal crossing exactly i mean it's like mecca and it's obviously much different but that kind of vibe i feel like you vibe with very well it's like i can be productive while playing video games it just it makes because i i have i'm incredibly antsy so i need to feel this sense of accomplishment in order to enjoy myself. You got to vibe with the vibe. Yeah. You know? And so that's my second one. And then my third one is Pathfinders. That one had hardcore Dungeons and Dragons vibe. It was in an epic adventure. Play it with friends. And had sweet character customization. So for that, I'm here for it. Plus, it's I got to mix up the chill vibe every now and then. Right. So, so Pathfinder, I don't know if it's the case, but... I've played a very D&D-esque card-slash-board game called Pathfinder. So there may be a tie in there. I don't remember... I think they might be part of the same like connected, franchise. Um, yeah, connected I would, I would think they would have to be. And th- for what it's worth, the board game is amazing. And it, it's it's designed to be... You get together, much like D&D is. You get together one night, you play it with friends, and you finish a certain aspect of the campaign. You defeat a boss monster or something. But then there is a legacy to it where then you put together your character deck, you put it somewhere that you know where it is. And the next time that group of friends gets together to play, you pick up that character deck again and you, you have new abilities now. Um, and it is like, it's, it's, it's a very specific kind of game that admittedly is not my cup of tea, but it does look like a version of that sort of experience that 
is poised to be very well executed. So no doubt uh, that looks awesome. There, there were there were so many games here that we unfortunately you know don't have a whole lot of time to mention. The Big Con, Ink to Tale of Love, um, Wandering Village looked cute. Uh, many more uh, space lines from the far out, which looked really kooky and really fun. Um, and that's the thing about indie games, right? And, and, and showcases like this, they take themselves so much less seriously. And that is such a boon a lot of the time. Whereas with the bigger events, everything's gritty and real. And there's a place for that too. But this is just so much more like, I don't want to say cartoony because that sounds bad. But, you know, a game like Paparazzi, which looks so fun, doesn't show up at the bigger showcases because it's i don't know what's the word you would use nerd bomber like again i don't want to say cartoony i don't want to say kiddish because those are diminutive well, in the wrong the, way it's at the big budget like the the yeah, nice that's thing about indie games it. is that they don't have the big budget they don't have that like finesse and polish that your triple a games are going to have and so they don't tend to be showcased at a lot of the big like e3 events although lately we have been seeing more indie showcases which has been really nice because in addition to this one like there was also a switch one and we didn't have time to cover everything but you know the nice thing about indies like you said is that they can experiment they can have fun you know they're not beholden to oh we have to make x amount of money otherwise our game is a failure like they can try new things they push the genre forward yeah, that, that that may be what, especially in terms of visuals, yeah, that may be what it is, is they can think a little bit more outside the box. Um, but, it you know, it makes showcases like this, I would characterize them so much more readily as easy watching relative to, you know, like a Bethesda showcase where you're, you're thinking of the, each of these things as like full length movies that have super high production values, super high budgets, things like that. And to be able to get away from that, I think is good for a number of reasons. So... If you haven't seen um, this showcase, go check it out. Check out the games we mentioned. Let us know if there's ones that we missed that we didn't touch on too much that, you know, spoke to you. Um, and I could buy an Xbox, I guess, if you don't have one. If you're like me, think about buying an Xbox. I shouldn't just tell you to buy an Xbox. But um, yeah, that brings us to to what we've been up to. And uh, I'm going to take the lead today. I, have, I only have one thing I want to talk about. Uh, I recently went on a long drive, and if you know me, if you listen to the show for a certain amount of time, you know that when I go on long drives, the name of the game is audiobooks. That's really when I. That's really the only time I listen to audiobooks. Um, but I often get a lot out of audiobooks, and I rent them from the library online. I never leave my house. I do it on my phone. We've we've PSA'd for libraries on the show before. I think Nerd Bomber in particular is like a big library stand support your local library um but it is such an invaluable resource especially for audiobooks i listened to um a book called green lights and uh the title may ring a bell for some of you who are uh matthew mcconaughey fans and fans of the mcconaissance so this is matthew mcconaughey's memoir that he wrote when he turned 50 it came out i think last year the tail end of last year i think during the pandemic um, I'll tell you what, you know, a lot of this book is of course what you think it would be, which is in a sense, a tell all and talking about how he first broke into the industry and the various experiences that he worked on and, you know, how 
how all right all right all right became his catchphrase which is actually a very interesting story it's based on production of the first movie he was on uh but so much more of it is about his life philosophy which is like i think in a way that memoirs are you know it's it's very driven by his upbringing which in a lot of ways was fractured and fraught with with issues um but he has this like zen thing going on that is a little bit hard to characterize he he he'll tell you about his experiences and then he will put things into the book called notes to self prescriptions and bumper stickers and all of these things are kind of deeply philosophical like if a beatnik poet and a revivalist preacher had a baby and they were trying to explain something to you that you could apply to all aspects of your life um it's it's like that 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 aspect of it i will admit got a little bit tiresome i would have liked much more of just the traditional tell-alls you know he wound up really cramming a lot of stuff i wanted to hear more about like interstellar true detective um into the back half of the book uh and not giving them the, the column inches they deserved but he would be telling a story about like you know making dallas buyers club which he won best actor for and then in the middle of telling a story about filming a scene he would be like note to self well let me, let me try and do a matthew mcconaughey impression because he would like he it was read by the author by the way note to self he would no it was way more like yelling it was like note to self the genie is in the smoke and like that was it and he didn't even a lot of time he wouldn't even explain what that meant the genie is in the smoke that was one specific note to self that he made that was like about how magic isn't held in the lamp or something i don't even understand i don't remember what it was but there were so many things like that that were just him kind of philosophizing with he's a great writer i will say assuming he wrote it himself which i think he did i do think he did it was fascinating to listen to especially in audiobook form with him reading it um but for me it was a little bit of a mixed bag uh I wanted more of a traditional memoir and that's not what I got. He's an incredibly interesting person, but I do think he's a little bit more interesting than he is. Uh, so I guess if you're going to go read it or listen to it, bear that in mind, but I would recommend it at large. Um, you know, he's had an interesting life at the end of the day. That's what you read a memoir for. And he has that to him in spades. So I don't know. Check out green lights. And much, by the way, the title of green lights, his and I think it was in his best actor speech when he won for Dallas Buyers Club. His like life philosophy is give it a green light. Kind of like Yes Man, but not really. If you've seen that movie with Jim Carrey. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, obviously, because in the movie Yes Man, things don't work out. Spoiler alert. Uh, but it's it's kind of based on this principle of your life is going to have red, yellow, and green lights. And you want to try and hit green lights as often as possible. And there's a way to do that systematically, at least according to him that is based on how you handle the yellow and red lights. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of goofy imagery that's based around a much more basic and easy to understand idea, but it works. I have to give him credit for that. It works. So yeah, green lights, go check it out. That's, that's my only kind of what I've been up to today. There's a lot else going on that I'll give updates on in, in coming weeks. I have no doubt, but I wanted to shout out that, piece of work for y'all so uh tactic keep us rolling here 
So my most exciting thing is more on the serious side. I got an endoscopy recently. I'm getting old, folks. <laughs> and uh, Well, how about that? I have to say, some of the best sleep I ever got. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so, so we talked about this last week off the air. I, I am also, I had an, endos- an endoscopy. I always say endoscopy, which is wrong. It's endoscopy. I believe you're right. And I watched Shrek. Well, I didn't watch it. I turned it on after this procedure when I got home and I fell asleep and I woke up later and I put on my own drool. That's, that's the best part of having a procedure and endoscopy is no uh, exception to that. So you had, you got some good rest. Yeah. And I, and I found out, uh, the kind of sleepy person I am. I'm apparently a really nice guy, pleasant to be around, but, uh, I struggle yeah. with, with, uh, finishing my food. Started eating an Uncrustable, fell asleep, got woken up, finished eating the Uncrustable. <laughs> it right. was it was very fun to watch. He like nodded off mid-bite and I was like, hey, tactic, probably want to finish that one, huh, bud? <laughs> and he was like, huh? When you came to, like in the recovery room or whatever, was Nerd Bomber there? No. Because if you're, if you're like alone in that situation, it could be pretty disorienting. No, they weren't That's- allowing people into the hospital oh, because right, you know right. covid times but right. the the nurse it was actually really funny so i'm like sitting in the parking lot because they gave me a time window to like come back for him for and so i'm sitting in the parking lot and she gives me a call and she's like hey are you still at home and i'm like no you guys said like show up at one o'clock i'm here it's one o'clock and she was like and they were okay. like he's you're like he's really messed up you gotta wait well no they were like you won't stop well, talking they were like well he's asked me three or four times now to make sure you take the chicken out of the fridge Get out <laughs> hold, hold like, on a second hold on a second did you take the chicken out of the fridge i was in the parking lot so no i didn't oh geez well you blew it see this is again going back to the nice person that i am there's specifically a pre-made chicken meal in the freezer and i didn't want to have to wor- her to worry about cooking well so we I said, had... put it in the fridge put it in the so fridge he's a sneaky guy and the, this is maybe TMI for our listeners. Actually, not really. Whatever. You guys do whatever. They're old and enough. Whatever. So he's a sneaky guy. Sneak. And we had a plan. He, before he went into his procedure, he was like, I want frozen pizza. And we have these like buffalo chicken wing, boneless wing things that you pop in the air yeah. fryer. They taste great. Oh, so please. he's being all sneaky. And he, when he gets in the car, he's like... They told me I can't eat hot stuff. Well, the nurse had called me, obviously, and she was like, because I'd asked, like, why does he want the chicken to be taken out so badly? And she was like, well, we said he can go back on a diet, like a regular diet, but he really doesn't want anything spicy. So then this guy gets in the car and tries to tell me that the doctor told him he can't eat spicy food. And I'm like, I got you. Like, I'm not going to feed you spicy food, but like, I know. I I know you're trying. I was trying to not be a, a burden on her. So you were, what's the word? Um, a, a liar. <laughs> is that is that a fair characterization? I mean, it, look, it's, you know, look, you were under the influence of some really, uh, I don't want to call it the good stuff because that's, you know, that's encouraging certain behaviors, but it's something else. Uh, I'm Hey, I'm glad you're doing better. Uh, are you back to your regular diet or are you pulling chickens out of the freezer? Or what's the situation? Uh, the chicken never got pulled out of the freezer. Well, because it needed like 24 hours to defrost. So then we had hot dogs instead because he likes hot dogs. So 
right i mean who doesn't well right on man uh i'm glad it went well glad you're glad you glad you're still with us although i mean endos- endoscopies are not really particularly risky procedures as i understand it um what did you watch in the in recovery did you fall asleep and wake, wake up drilling on yourself with track playing in the back there there was no recovery time it was basically woke up close my eyes walk into car close my eyes in the car close my eyes. yeah he slept into the evening and then we watched some preseason football oh right on right on okay that's well hey it works too cool man uh anything else to add or should we swing it over to the to the old dinner bomber here she's not old she's I don't know. Swing it over. Go ahead, swing it over. All right, right. young lady. My biggest thing. So, and I know some of our listeners have been really excited for me to try this game out. Hades, which has been released on PC and was on Switch, finally came to Xbox and PlayStation and launched on Game Pass when it came to Xbox. So needless to say, you know, I don't have to pay for it. Great. Everybody wins. I played it. And it is so good. I don't normally like roguelikes. I think we've talked about this in the past. I hate, hate, hate having to start over and lose progress and, you know, slog my way through the same levels over and over again, even if they're procedurally generated, still usually not my thing. However, somehow, and I'm not entirely sure how, but Supergiant managed to make me fall in love with Hades. And I think I've put about nine hours into the game so far and again the game just came out like a few days ago so like that's pretty impressive I think and it is it's very difficult I have yet to finish an entire run just yet but the nice thing about this game is that even though you don't finish a full run you still feel like you're getting stronger every time you fail like there's an element of like there's things to collect tasks to complete and one of the main things that I'm really enjoying outside of just the fact that the gameplay is a lot of fun is one of the the pillars of this game is actually the story and you play as Hades son trying to escape hell and obviously Hades and all of his minions don't want you to do that so you're working your way through the levels of hell to get out But every time you die, you go back to, like, the House of Hades. And there's characters and, like, a lot of mythological characters, you know, like the gods, goddesses. And you interact with them. You interact with folks like Achilles. And, you know, you get a lot of mythological storylines and background story here. I think the story is one of the most compelling parts of the game, even if, like, the gameplay is great, but even if you're not really into the idea of dying over and over, the fact that you go back and you get another snippet of the story makes it feel like you're not just bashing your head against a wall. You're kind of failing with a purpose. You're, like, advancing the plot. You're collecting items to help yourself get stronger and, you know, move forward in the game. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. I mean, the art style, the soundtrack, the gameplay, and even the fact that they give you so many different ways to play the game. Like, you get to pick a different weapon. There's six weapons that you can choose from to start each run. And each one has a completely different style of play. Some are ranged weapons. Some are close encounters some are like swords that have a little bit of range or a spear and it makes every run feel different enough so that even though you are kind of you know advancing towards the same goal over and over again it doesn't feel like it's super repetitive it doesn't feel like you know oh, I just have to do the same thing over and over and over again 
and even like the boss fights, they change it up every now and then so that you don't really know what you're going to expect on every single run. And it's like I said, if anybody out there is questioning whether or not you should try it, definitely think you should. Even if you don't like roguelikes or you don't like difficulties, like there is, and it's kind of uh, almost a, a bad name for it. There's a God mode. And in my head, I was like, I don't want to play in God mode. I'm going to die a lot. But it's actually the opposite where you get like damage resistance as you play. And the more you die, the higher your damage resistance. And you can turn it on and off. However, like if you don't want to have damage resistance on for a run, you can turn it off. But it's cumulative for your entire playthrough. And so you can turn it on and off as you see fit. And the developers included that so that if you don't like bashing your head against the wall, you just want to see the really cool story, you can do that and not get super frustrated. So, yeah, which is good. You know, I, I, roguelike, you know, it, it's a tough genre for me. It sounds like it's a tough one for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, I dabbled with that with Everspace, which I did like Everspace, but it's, it's punishing by nature, right? That's what they're, that's what the goal is. It seems like with roguelites. So, to be able to build in something like that, I think is a critical design element uh, for that game. So it sounds like m- many more hours than the nine you've already put in to come. Yeah, definitely high recommend. And like, you know, one of the things that a lot of other roguelikes don't have is the ability to save in the middle of a run. And even like the entire run, I looked up to see how long it usually takes people to complete. And if you do an entire completed run, you're looking at maybe 45 minutes. So it's not like when you die, you're looking at having to redo five hours worth of work. You know what I mean? And so the pacing of it is great. So definitely recommend, even if you're not a fan of the genre, I think everything else about this game is really well done. And I think you might enjoy it. So check it out. Cool, cool. So let's play Jeopardy. Uh, the quiz topic today is Jeopardy. Um, the quiz topics that are selected from by our Patreons are typically personally based. And this makes sense because I'm I'm a fan of Jeopardy. Uh, I actually had a friend a while back who was on Jeopardy, which is really cool for me. Um, I don't watch much because I don't have like, I don't have cable or even like an antenna or anything, but I watch reruns on Netflix a lot. I'm big into trivia. So I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm seeing this, this bad boy. Uh, let's look at the standings first, uh, because things are, things are nodding up here. Uh, I'm at 12 and two nerd bomber, eight and six tactic six and eight. And of course, Ben at one and oh, uh, undefeated. So there are stakes here. Let me just, I want I wanted to say that, to start you know um we're nearing a tie for second place situation tactic here's hoping you keep your hot streak going good luck players that's something that that the late great alex trebek would always say uh good luck players let's let's look at the big board these are all numerically based clues of course um as per usual so jeopardy's been on for many seasons uh how many clues are written in each season of jeopardy who goes first here oh let's go with sorry uh we're gonna go with nerd bomber she's got the better record okay so i'm trying to think of what the grid looks like i think what there's seven categories and then seven levels of money maybe so 49 and then what they usually do three of those a game so let me pull out my calculator here 
49 times 3, we're at 147. Then you can't forget the final Jeopardy, so 148. And I think they do it, like, they don't take a break, do they? I think they do it every week. Maybe we'll take a few off for holidays. Let's do 50 weeks of the year. So I'm going to say 7,400 clues. Okay. And over to Tactic. One clue. Oh, he thinks I busted. I think I don't have a high enough answer. Nerdbomber, you are right. You do not have a high enough answer. I, so I would imagine that they write a lot of clues that don't get used, first of all. Um, uh, your math was a little skewed, Nerdbomber. There are not three rounds of Jeopardy per episode. There are two. Oh, well. Um, there's, Je- there's Jeopardy and Double Jeopardy and then Final Jeopardy. Um, I was just trying to look up. I actually don't know how many episodes there are per season, uh, but there are 13,800 clues written per season. Uh, so... Nerd Bomber on the board here early, and we can move into uh, the next very traditional, you know, online warriors quiz question. When did Jeopardy first debut? And Tactic, you will start here. I think it was earlier than people think. So I'm going to say 1970. I'm trying to think... feel like there was color television because i feel like jeopardy and wheel of fortune came out the same year and i'm trying to think when color tv started mm. if i go earlier than him i only give myself a small window though i'm gonna say 1980 so it is earlier than you think uh however it is earlier than either of you said uh March 30th, 1964. So, See, I wanted to say 60, but then I did only gave myself like a small 10-year window. I didn't like that. Jeopardy has had some, a very interesting production history. It's been on and off the air a lot more than people would think. Uh, the one that started on 64 aired until 75, and then another version aired from 74 to 75, and then it was revived 78 to 79. And the current version, I believe, started running on, in 1984. So there's been a lot of different renditions. I believe Trebek didn't come in until the 1984 version, but nonetheless, the show itself uh, was created on March 30th, 1964 and first aired. So no points for either of you on that one. Uh, But now we're going to get into some of the statistics, uh, you know, famous champs that you may know. You're going to hear their names here. Uh, Ken Jennings has the longest winning streak in terms of number of Jeopardy wins. How many wins did he accrue? I don't think he was on for months. I feel like it was like a month. I'm going to say 30. Tactic? That's a solid guess. That's right around what I was going to guess. So I'm going to say... Uh, let's go 31. Oh, wow. You're doing that. Yeah, I'm doing he's, that. He, he's, he's doing that and it's working. He won 74 in a row. Uh, so he really? was on for, I think that translates to something like three months. Um, the second longest winning streak is 32. So you're both very close to that. That was James Holzhauer, who I believe we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. Um, but Ken Jennings won 74 times uh, in the year 2004. Uh, it, I guess from June 2nd to July 23rd and then from September 6th to November 30th so there must have been a season break in there somewhere so you guys are now tied 
at one apiece. And now we are going to get to um, the highest one day uh, total winnings for a regular winner. This is not tournaments or any college champions or anything. Uh, this is held by James Holzhauer. And in fact, he holds the top 10. All of them were him. Uh, he holds all the records for total winnings in one day of play on Jeopardy. What is the highest one day total ever achieved on Jeopardy? $900,000. Oh, absolutely not. That's too much. Um, I'm going to say 20,000, even though I know it's more, I feel like it's more in the range of like 50 or 60, but I'm going to stick with 20. Tactic. So how Jeopardy works is you final Jeopardy, you bet your money. So you can't bet more than you have. I don't think, even if you got every single clue right, I don't think you'd get more than like a hundred grand. Um, it's $131,000. Is it obvious that I don't watch Jeopardy? <laughs> it was a little obvious after that. $900,000 is, it's a chunk of change. Um, okay, but James Holzhauer did that. James Holzhauer did that on April 17th, 2019. So fairly recently, much more recently than Ken Jennings. Uh, and so nerd bomber jumps in the lead again. It's two to one. Uh, I have one question left, but I also do have a tiebreaker. So we will get to that as it is needed. Uh, but now the cream of the crop of statistics, we're not talking about one day winnings. Now we're talking about all time total winnings. And I mentioned Ken Jennings. I mentioned James Holzhauer. Neither of them hold the all time, uh, all time goes to Brad Rutter, I believe because of the Tournament of Champions. It's counting the Tournament of Champions, uh, which was a big pot. And I think it was Brad Rutter, Ken Jennings, and James Holzhauer who competed in that. That happened, I think, last year. But Brad Rutter's total Jeopardy winnings. How much has he won from Jeopardy over all the times he's been on the show and the tournaments, anything like that? All time total winnings. So I go first with this one, right? That's correct. Okay, I'm going to I know he doesn't hold the record for like the the longest tenure or whatever, but I'm going to use that it's the basis. So it was like about 70 days. And assuming you maybe win like I don't know, 60 on average if you're super good like Ken Jennings was, um that would get you 4 million. And then if there's a big pot involved, I would say maybe add another two more. So I'm going to say 6 million. No, it's more than that. And this isn't a plus one, I swear to you guys. Oh, come on. <laughs> you already plus one to me. You can't do it again. We had a rule instituted. I was going to pick seven million either way. This isn't fair. Eight million. Well, I wouldn't worry too much, Tactic. Uh, you both busted. Four million nine hundred fifty three thousand four hundred thirty. So I should have stuck with my original math. Oh. You should have stuck with. You should have stuck. I think you said four million at one point. That would have been much closer, of course, without busting. Brad Rutter at number one. Ken Jennings at number two with with over four million as well. Four million three hundred seventy two thousand. James Holzhauer in third with just a sh- just a hair under three million, and then it drops off after that. No one else is over a million. Uh, so uh, that tells us that nerd bomber is the winner here tactic your reign of terror in a sense is over because you've been really racking things up here and you've been doing very well uh but nerd bomber emerges victorious here she goes to nine and six tactic goes to six and nine and i'm sitting at 12 and two so uh next week nerd bomber will host uh and she will be hosting i believe 
a quiz to be administered to three people. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to have a special guest joining us, I believe, next week. No promises. Uh, but we look forward to that. Um, and we thank you all for joining us here on the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. If you liked what you listened to, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, hit us up on Twitter at the handles we already mentioned. And uh, you know what? Get out there and tell... Oh, boy. Open to suggestions on this one, guys. Tell your kindergarten teacher. Go Ah. find her or him and go tell them. Send them, a, send them a, a letter. Snail mail. I mean, we're not like urgently looking for new listeners, so it, it can take a couple days. I would assume your kindergarten teacher is, you know, if they were teaching you when you were in kindergarten, they might be a little bit on the older side. They might not be technologically inclined to the extent of using, you know, electronic mail. So snail mail, smoke signal, send them a page, whatever it takes. Tell your kindergarten teacher. And you know what? Thank your kindergarten teacher for all the great work they've done. Uh, except if they if they stunk, then maybe don't. But tell your kindergarten teacher, and uh, have a great week, and we'll talk to you all soon.